Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Practicology Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in today, where we're going to be discussing something that we haven't delved into very much on the podcast, but it must be important because it's in the Bible a lot, and that is the subject of prophecy. Now, don't press pause, don't press stop, or X out the podcast just because I said the word prophecy. In fact, we're not actually going to be going into the depths of biblical prophecy today, not on this episode anyhow. Uh, maybe Mike Knox is putting together some thoughts on identifying the two beasts of Revelation 13 or predicting a revival of the Soviet Union or something. I'm not sure, so I'll leave that to him. But what we're thinking about today is why we should study Bible prophecy. And to do that, I am joined by a guest host, Nathan Pratt of Windsor, Ontario. Nathan was with us for a much-listened-to episode on basic Bible hermeneutics, episode 93, about a year ago. Nathan, it's great to have you back. Thanks for joining us. Glad to be here, Matthew. All right, tell us a little bit about what you've got in mind today. Yeah, so this really all stemmed from um, our discussional Bible study here in Windsor that takes place on Tuesday nights. We, for a period of time, found ourselves uh, in sections of Scripture that dealt specifically um, with future events, uh, with eschatology, that, that's the study of end mm -hmm. things. And a young Christian in our assembly asked me a, a question that I really hadn't really considered before, but I appreciated it because it caused me to go to the scriptures and, and, and give him a good answer. And it was this. He said, I understand these future events that we're being taught in the Bible are important, but what kind of practical here and now relevance does it have on my walk with Christ? That's a great question. Absolutely. And so, yes, it caused me to get into the scriptures and to ask the question, you know, what do these future truths have to do with my walk here and now? And so I went to the scriptures to answer this question, and, and, and I thought a little bit more about this. And I considered the fact that we would all agree that knowing what God says about the future is important. But it begs the question, do these future things have any impact and influence on my life in the here and now? Is Bible prophecy, is the study of... Uh, the end times? Is it just an education or does God intend it to be so much more? Surely God intends it to be so much more and I'm looking forward to what you've got to share with us today. So I want to just open up our discussion today with uh, a little bit of a, a reading from the final book in our Bible, uh, the Revelation. I want to look at uh, chapter 1 verses 1 to 3 and these verses are going to kind of serve as the wind to our sails uh, as this discussion takes place. So the Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified or communicated it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it. For the time is near. Michael Vlock helpfully reminds us that the Revelation is the only book in the Bible that motivates its readers by promising a blessing to those who read and obey it. God actually pronounces a blessing upon the one who reads, studies, and listens to what he has to say about the future. Yeah, it's interesting. It is definitely a unique book. We think of all the types of literature in the scripture, and there's obviously letters, there's historical narratives, and then this apocalyptic literature, the book of Revelation. 
And not only does it promise that blessing to those who read it, but in those scriptures that you just quoted, one of the things I, I love just is how it starts, that this is the revelation of Jesus Christ, which tells us that this book is about the, the triumph of Jesus Christ as well. And that should excite us. Yes. You know, I think the tendency we sometimes have with these future things in the word of God is we tend to just leave them there in the future. But God actually reveals to us in his word that he wants us to take what he has said about the future and bring them to bear on our life in the here and now. There's a pronouncement of blessing upon the one who does. And so with that in mind, I want to uh, take some time with our listeners today to look at six ways that studying Bible prophecy can be a blessing to us right here and now as we walk with Christ. How can God's future plan impact my walk with the Lord? So we're going to consider six ways that studying Bible prophecy can be a blessing to us. Number one, it is profitable because it is in the Bible. Number two, studying Bible prophecy provides peace and joy in the midst of affliction. Number three, studying Bible prophecy provides us with exhortation and encouragement to holy living. Number four, studying Bible prophecy provides proof as to the inspiration, inerrancy, and reliability of God's word. Number five, studying Bible prophecy provides the truth about where history is going. And finally, studying Bible prophecy provides us with precious material. Draw our hearts out in worship to the one true God who is sovereign and in complete control. All good reasons. Let's open door number one and see what's behind that one. Sure. So let's consider point number one. Studying Bible prophecy is profitable because it is in the Bible. You know, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 to 17 reminds us that, quote, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And so this is a reminder to us that areas of our Bible, like the Revelation, Daniel, Ezekiel, the Messianic Psalms, are just as important as the Gospels or other areas that we would maybe commonly go to for our, our morning devotions. Why? Because God says it. And because God says it, we should immediately place value upon it. I think that's uh, something that does need to be highlighted. I mean, God, God could have said lots of things to us, but his written revelation is compiled in these 66 books that we call the Bible. And yeah, it's full of things that people can too easily overlook. We could think of valuable teaching that comes from the Levitical offerings and the tabernacle and even genealogies. I mean, it's, it, it's there for a purpose, but there's loads of material in the Bible devoted to the subject of prophecy, isn't there? That's right. Actually, I think as J. Dwight Pentecost would remind us that three quarters of our Bible is actually Bible prophecy. Wow. And there's a large chunk that has been fulfilled, but there is a chunk that hasn't been fulfilled. And when it comes to this last book of our Bible, as, as we've already considered the revelation, a blessing is pronounced upon the one who, quote, reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. So don't skip over the prophetic sections in your Bible. Can they be difficult to read and interpret? Yes. yes. No one is disputing that. Um, you're not a second-rate Christian. I want our listeners to know you're not a second-rate Christian for finding them intimidating. Okay, but the Lord knows. Before you read these sections, ask him to help you understand and to have wisdom in rightly applying them, that he would cultivate a thirst in your heart to read and study what he has to say about the future, and that he would fill your heart with joy as you do so. And most of all, that in studying Bible prophecy and studying what he has to say about the future, 
that he would change you, that he would mold you and shape you to be more like his son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, the same Holy Spirit that penned this pronouncement of blessing dwells in you. It's good. It's all very helpful. It's all good things to keep in mind. Uh, there's obviously some parts of the scripture that are going to speak more directly, more immediately, I will say, to our circumstances in life. But uh, God has put this in his word for a reason, and he would love us to learn to love these parts of the scripture as well. That's right. So we'll move on now to point number two. Studying Bible prophecy provides peace and joy in the midst of trial and affliction. There are many places we could read that speak to this point, but I'd like us to consider a few verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 13 to 18. Knowing, that's a very important word right there, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. I love that line right there. Is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Once again, that's 2 Corinthians 4, verses 13 to 18. 2 Corinthians 4 is a thrilling chapter. In verses 1 to 6, we have really the profile of the servant in relation to the ministry of the new covenant, the gospel. But in, in verses 7 to 18, we have the perspective of the servant in relation to a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory that outweighs all of life's difficulties. It's a chapter that reveals to us how the gospel shaped not only Paul's character as he carried out his ministry, but also his perspective on life. Yeah, I was just in these chapters recently myself, Nathan. I think uh, I read that Albert McShane said concerning chapters four and five of Second Corinthians that there's no other place in scripture where uh, God highlights the frailty of the human condition more. Yes. And, but he speaks to that with a word of comfort, like you're saying about future resurrection, future glory. So he, he gives them that peace and comfort with the word of prophecy. Yes, that's right. You know, Paul was a man like us who experienced dark days. He had times of difficulty and discouragement. He's very open about that in his writings. However, he was a man who viewed everything he experienced, not only through the lens of what God had already done in Christ, but also through the lens of what God had promised to do in the future. I like how Warren Wearsby puts it in his little study on Philippians entitled Be Joyful. He says, Paul did not look at Christ through his circumstances. Rather, he looked at his circumstances through Christ, and that changed everything. And so Paul, knowing, verse 14, truths concerning the future, concerning God's program and plan, helped him to see that these things, verse 15, this perishing, verse 16, this affliction, verse 17, and that which is temporary, verse 18, were not the end of the story. In fact, and you can plainly see it from the contrasts contained in the verses, these seemingly negative things mentioned will actually turn out for his benefit and the benefit of his fellow believers. Yeah, when you, when you first mentioned that uh, studying Bible prophecy can provide peace and joy, I wondered, if, I wondered if some people might chuckle and reflect on maybe a, a conversational Bible study that turned a little bit uh, violent or something as they debated things of prophecy. And instead of it providing peace and joy, it may be provided some turmoil. And we gotta be mindful of that as we 
discuss all the scripture. And when we discuss prophetic things too, some areas are, are hard to be certain about. We need to be considerate of one another. But another passage that comes to my mind is when Paul uh, unveils by the Holy Spirit the truth concerning the rapture, 1 Thessalonians 4. He concludes that section by saying, therefore comfort or encourage mm-hmm. encourage one another with these words. So the, the truth of, of the rapture and the fact that saints were not going to miss out on the coming kingdom, this was a great comfort to suffering believers in Thessalonica. Yes, in fact, actually yesterday I had the responsibility to speak at the graveside of, a, of an older gentleman in our local assembly that recently passed there you away. Go. And, and, and this, this was an example, you know, 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 to 18. These are truths we run to. Don't run from them. These are truths we go to. Why? Because Paul tells us that, that we're to comfort one another with these words, these words concerning the future. You know, all too often, my default position is to allow my current situation and circumstance to dictate how I feel and define who I am. To let this, this light affliction, which is but for a moment, to be the sum and substance of my existence. But I want the, our listeners to know today, God has told you how the story ends. And when you know how the story ends, it gives you hope and help to live in the here and now. So knowing what God says about the future provides peace and joy in the midst of affliction. Good. Thank you for that helpful and faithful reminder. Next, let's look at point number three. Studying Bible prophecy exhorts and encourages us to live holy lives. I'm thinking of 1 John chapter 3, verse 3, where we read, quote, And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Knowing what will happen and what we will become should develop in us a desire to live a life well-pleasing to God. We can think of this specifically in relation to Christ's return. Living in the reality of Christ's return makes a difference in a Christian's behavior. We are to live as ones expecting his return at any moment. We can also consider the doctrine of the judgment seat of Christ, or the believer's day of reward. How I live now as a Christian directly impacts that exhaustive evaluation of my life that will take place in a coming day. We see this in Romans 14, 1 Corinthians 2, and and 1 Corinthians 4, and, and in 2 Corinthians 5. Now, it is not a day of judgment for sins, for Romans 8 and 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. But it is a day where the Lord will, quote, bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart. Then each one's praise will come from God, 1 Corinthians 4 and 5. And so it's a day where the believer will be rewarded in connection with faithfulness here below. And so while we won't be condemned for sin, our present lives do affect what will happen at the judgment seat of Christ, at the believer's day of reward. Yeah, it's often impressed me how much this is a recurring theme. When God highlights prophecy, he then highlights its impact on our living a holy life today. Like you've said, I'm thinking of Romans 13. Besides this, since you know the time, it is already the hour for you to wake up from sleep because now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night -hmm. night is nearly over, the day is near, so... Let us not care. No, he says, so let us discard the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. And he speaks then about how we should live and put on the Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, that's that's in light of the fact that our salvation at the coming of the Lord Jesus is very near. We belong to the day, that age that is about to be revealed. And because that's what we belong to, that's how we should be living now. There should be a correspondence between that. 
Yes, and I'm also reminded about the truth of, of the millennial kingdom and how the scriptures reveal to us that we will rule and reign with Christ over this earth in a coming day. We see this in many places like 1 Corinthians 6, 2 Timothy 2, Revelation 5, Revelation 20, etc. As some of the older believers in my assembly have said in times past, does my, does my life speak to one who is training for reigning? Am I living in such a way that speaks to what I will be and what I, what I will be doing in a coming day? Um, essentially, what you believe about the future directly impacts how you live your life. All right, so Nathan has given us three good reasons so far. Studying Bible prophecy is profitable because it's in the Bible. Studying Bible prophecy provides peace and joy in the midst of trial and affliction. Studying Bible prophecy exhorts and encourages us to live holy lives. Go ahead with number four, please, Nathan. Sure. Number four is studying Bible prophecy teaches us that God's word can be trusted. The late J. Dwight Pentecost said, quote, the number of prophecies that have come to pass precisely as predicted cannot be accounted for by chance, but only by God. We have the blessed testimony of fulfilled prophecies, prophecies that were fulfilled literally, physically, down to the finest date and detail. And we see this so vividly, don't we? in the prophecies concerning the person and work of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is often something that I like to point younger believers to. If they're looking for, for a topic to study or, 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 or some new, a different area in the Word of God they haven't checked out before, I always encourage them to, to go through the Old Testament and, and to trace the prophecies that speak of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then to go to the New Testament and see how they are just so vividly, down to the finest detail, fulfilled. It is a beautiful study, and it encourages us because the God who has made these promises, he, he's the one who does not lie. He's the one in whom there is no shadow due to change. He's the God who keeps his word. And something that excites me is that the way in which these prophecies were fulfilled helped to guide us in understanding how God will continue to fulfill 100%, prophecy 100%, in the future. 100%. That has some huge theological ramifications, doesn't it? Yes. Once again, I, I, I go to J. Dwight Pentecost, who who reminds us that, quote, the fact that the scriptures continually point to literal interpretations of what was formerly written adds evidence as to the method to be employed in interpreting the word. No prophecy which has been completely fulfilled has been, com has been fulfilled any way but literally. One need only study the prophecies which were fulfilled in the first coming of Christ, in his life, his ministry, and his death to establish that fact. That sounds like you and I should do a podcast sometime on the term Israel, I think. I think that's what's coming out of that, Nathan. Yes, I, it is a, a topic near and dear to my heart, but of course, for a future right. time. And so this point reminds us that, that God has fulfilled prophecy. Uh, the testimony of fulfilled prophecy speaks to the clarity, the certainty, and the credibility of his word. Take heart in that. And it informs us as to how he will continue to fulfill it in the age to come. And lots of people talk about how this impressed them in their search for God and uh, when they were first becoming familiar with the gospel or the Bible itself. I, I think of the story actually of Peter Orisak when someone came to visit him. Many people have heard his testimony. And uh, when someone came to visit him and they, they just read him the words of Isaiah 53, and I think he responded initially by saying, oh, anybody can say the Jesus thing, something like that. And um, the brother responded saying, I never mentioned anything about Jesus, Peter. 
you know, <laughs> and uh, that really struck him. And he sees that this is, yeah, this is an Old Testament reading and he learns, you know, it's written however many hundred years before Christ came. And yet it was so obvious to him as an unbeliever at that time that it corresponded to the Lord Jesus experience. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's a great example of how uh, the testimony of fulfilled prophecy teaches us something about God's character and his faithfulness and that he indeed is the one who keeps his word. Now let us move on to point number five. Here we'll consider the fact that studying Bible prophecy teaches us the truth about where history is going. You know, this world speaks of the future with very uncertain and unstable terms. Someone might say, who knows what the future holds? But for the Christian, we can confidently go to God's word and say, I do know what the future holds. Events like the rapture, the tribulation, the millennium, and the eternal state are presented to us not as fabricated fantasy, but as fact. It was Charles Ryrie who wrote, quote, everyone has some sort of eschatology. For many moderns, eschatology is a study of despair, for all things will end in death, the death of the individual and the death of the universe. Even evolution does not promise immortality. For others, the despair is modified by a vague hope in some sort of life after death. For the Christian, the Bible provides clear and detailed teaching concerning the future so that he may know with certainty what lies ahead. And so as we read and study our Bibles, we discover a program, a grand narrative, beginning with God's first communication to the original man, Adam, and culminating in God's direct revelation to the second man, the last Adam, when he takes the scepter of universal dominion and reigns over the earth for a thousand years. God has a plan for this world. History has always been moving in a specific direction. It has a trajectory. Time and space are not random, unhinged concepts. There is a maker and monarch who is in complete control of all. And this has a massive gospel implication, doesn't it? Because the world is asking, who knows how it will all turn out? How wonderful to open up the Bible to a lost soul and say in response, God knows, and he wants you to know too. Yeah, sometimes, admittedly, down through history, maybe people have been guilty of trying to over-systematize the Bible at times, but that's, that shouldn't cancel the fact that God does have a purpose and God does have an arrangement of history. And, uh, you know, the scripture speaks of Christ coming at the climax of the ages, Hebrews chapter 9. Um, or I think of Ephesians chapter 1 that speaks of the fullness of the times when all things will be brought under the headship of Christ. So obviously God is working towards a specific purpose here for the universe and for the earth. Right. And this, you know, this obviously isn't the, the place for us to be getting into uh, systematic theology or various, you know, eschatological systems. But what I want our listeners to know is that God has a plan. He is sovereign and in complete control of all. And it is moving in a direction that he has deemed, that he is directing. And we can take heart in that. Regardless of what we see happening in the world round about us, we don't need to let that be the lens by which we look at God and his word. No, we can allow God and his word to be the lens by which we look at the world round about us. We see the darkness, we see the defilement, the discouragement, but we can go to the word of God and discover there God's plan, God's great story. And once again, I'll just repeat these words that he has told us how the story ends. And when we know how the story ends, it gives us hope and help to live right here and now. It's 
It's important because it means nothing that is going on in the world need shake our confidence in what God says about the future, right? That's right. All right. Well, this leads into your final one, how studying Bible prophecy uh, leads to our worshiping the sovereign God who is in complete control. Yes. So what God has said about the future should cause us to worship. It should fill our hearts with precious devotional material as we consider the sovereignty of our God, the one who is in complete control of all things. As we study Bible prophecy, as we study his program for the ages, his plan for this world, the great story of scripture, it causes us to come face to face with his character. We learn more about who he is and that doesn't turn our, us off. No, it, it fills our hearts and it causes us to worship him indeed as the one who is in complete control and is sovereign over all. It touches my heart to think of even those words in the Lord's Prayer of Matthew 6 and, and Luke 11, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Even th- this will be fully and finally realized in a coming day, and that should cause our hearts to soar. Yeah, when I have spent some time in the book of Revelation, yeah, there's been times where I've gotten a little bit lost perhaps in the details and trying to sort things out, but then I just always like to step back a little bit and acknowledge that God is working towards a great end and it's going to be for the glory of Christ, the name of Christ, and the blessing of his people. And that does lead me to worship even as I go through difficult literature at times like the book of Revelation. You know, you just said it it reminds you to kind of take a step back. And that reminds me of a quote by uh, our brother Mark Sweetnam um, in his book, Understanding Dispensationalism. There was a quote that stuck out to me and it really touched my heart. And he, he really, he, he conveys this thought better than I ever could. He says, quote, we stand on the summit of the ages with a vast panorama spread out on every hand. We see the pattern, the progression, and the perfection of the course God marked out for the ages. And yet we are all too preoccupied with the few square feet on which we stand. Let us leave aside our spiritual myopia and taking the telescope of God's infallible word, lift up our eyes and scan the far horizons and worship with a fresh sense of wonder, the mighty God who planned and executed it all. Excellent. And so I want our listeners to know that that God loves you. He wants you to know that he's got the whole world in his hands. That is not just some, some whistling in the dark cliche. He literally has the whole world in his hands. He always has, and he always will. In love, he has revealed to you his plan for the future. And knowing that plan, is not merely some dry education, but it is the greatest source of exhortation, of edification, of of excitement and exhilaration. It is truly a blessing for us to become acquainted with God's program for the ages, to be acquainted with Bible prophecies, to be acquainted with what he has to say about the future. It should cause us to worship. Thank you for this, Nathan. And you, a couple of times you have mentioned uh, J. Dwight Pentecost, for example. I just wonder if we should mention a few uh, other pieces of literature to our listeners. Obviously, the, the best way to understand the Bible is the Bible. The Bible interprets the Bible. And we're going to listen to uh, Bible teachers in our local churches to, to learn more of these things. But, but some people like to dabble a little bit into some other books as well to help them. And I just wonder if we could give a, a few recommendations to them on various levels of depth to uh, maybe further enlighten them a little bit in their understanding of Bible prophecy. Now, obviously, when we recommend some books, I'm sure there's going to be things in them that 
you know, Nathan, you may not agree with every single detail. I may not agree with every single detail. When we get into the details of Bible prophecy, it can be at times difficult to be certain. But uh, nonetheless, these are some books that will give people various degrees of a, a good working knowledge on Bible prophecy. Now, let, let's start at, let's say, a bit of a the thicker book. Okay, we're going to start at the, the deeper end a little bit. You've mentioned J. Dwight Pentecost, and his book is called Things to Come, correct? Yes, this would definitely be a, a, a biblical theology of eschatology. Basically, he's going through the entire Word of God, touching on every single prophetic element. It is definitely, it is a tome, for sure. Um, it, I would say that it's for the more um, seasoned Bible student. Um, it's a little older. Um, he, is, he, was, he was a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary, um, a place that has uh, traditionally held to uh, dispensationalism. I just kind of give some background on, on, on the writer. Um, and once again, this would be, this would be a book that um, in a very systematic fashion goes through uh, Bible prophecy. But like I said, it is maybe not where the, the, a younger student would want to start. It is much more advanced in its nature, but um, I would uh, wholeheartedly recommend. Yeah. One of the things I recall about that one is that on various subjects, he will uh, summarize different viewpoints and then give the reasons why he thinks one view is the correct view. Another book that isn't quite as intense, but is also, but is still also significant. Uh, have you read Mark Hitchcock's book, The End, Everything You'll Want to Know About the Apocalypse? I have not, no. Okay, well, that is another one that I would recommend to readers. Uh, yeah, again, may not agree with every single point in it, but another professor of Dallas Theological Seminary as well. Another book I'd like to recommend on the opposite end of the spectrum is, is, is more of, a, of an entry-level book, and yet there's still obviously meat there for um, the student who's been spending years in the scripture. And it's a book by David McKillen. He, uh, last year, I believe it was, released a book called End Times for Beginners. And it's actually a book that I've handed out to a number of young people in my own local as assembly. Uh, he does a wonderful job just defining the terms that we commonly throw around, right? Words like dispensationalism, premillennialism, all the, the isms. Sometimes we throw these words around, uh, forgetting the fact that, that there's always a new generation that we need to teach these things to. And so it is a wonderful entry-level resource. Um, but with that being said, I would still encourage even those seasoned students of the word to pick it up because there's something special about being able to take a complex theology and bring it down to a simple uh, level that that everyone can understand. Excellent, and then a couple more that are more uh, more booklet form, so even a bit lighter than what you've just described. A couple of concise books or booklets published by John Ritchie. One is "Tell Me More About the Future" by Bert Cargill, and another one is "An Introduction to Bible Prophecy" by Jack Kay. Those are both very small, concise, and uh, could give people a little bit of an overview. Yeah, and I really appreciate once again the the point you had made. You know, we're not wanting people to use these books to be the pair of glasses that they wear as they read the Bible, but obviously we want them to allow the Bible to, to, to govern and engage their interaction with these books. But nonetheless, we're very blessed to have older brothers who've put time and effort and years of uh, study and sacrifice into providing us with, with trusted literature that we can go to um, to become acquainted with these things. Yeah, fascinatingly, the Bible doesn't have 
you know, all of its prophecy contained in one book. It doesn't just say, okay, here's the prophecy section and here's the tabernacle section. You know, tabernacle teaching is across three books of the Old Testament and then enlarged oh. upon in the New Testament, for example. And that's how God has written his word. So it's to be interpreted in its context and it's written according to a specific situation. And the best book to read on the subject is the Bible. And the Bible interprets the Bible, but we appreciate the helps, as Nathan has said. And Nathan, I appreciate the help that you've given us today. I think these are valuable reasons. I pray that they whet some people's interest in looking a little bit more into the subject of Bible prophecy. Thanks so much for joining us. It's been a treat. Thank you for having me. All right. May the Lord bless you, and may the Lord bless you all, our listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we look forward to having you back again soon. Mm -hmm.